0: Happy birthday to me. Happy birthday to me. Happy birthday, Michael Sano. Happy birthday to me. (laughs) Hey, what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? Welcome to the Sea and Land Fitness Podcast. I am Michael Sano. This podcast is brought to you by Sea and Land Fitness. You can find us over at www.sandlfit.com. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about that at the end of the episode, but... It's my birthday today, and I'm wearing a gift from my wife and my son, this amazing uh, Yankees uh, hat, new era. I'm so psyched. I'm so, so jazzed about it. Also behind me is a brand new University of Florida Gators helmet, which I am a Gators alum, Um, and it's this crazy, crazy one with – red, white, and blue American flag logo. Can you see it in the back? I'm going to move out of the way. (laughs) That was a hiccup. Sorry about that. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see that. I also got a, uh, a brand new Rawlings bat because, um, the bat that, uh, I, I like to hit for fun. Um, as a form of exercise, I spend, you know, Maybe a half hour, forty-five minutes hitting a ball off a tee. My wife says that I am. What are you doing? Are you going to become a uh, a professional t-ball player? Well, no. Uh, I tried to explain to her that <laughs> that major league baseball stars, major league baseball players hit off a tee, but she didn't want to hear it. It's more fun for her to call me um, the oldest t-ball player in. The continental united states so there you got that um but yeah it's my birthday uh and i didn't skip an episode i skipped an episode last week just because uh my wife was on vacation and i kind of decided to take a vacation too and just take the week off um so why do i have you here today why do i have you guys here today because I have an important sports psychology principle that I want to talk about today. So, hold on just one sec. Peter Madera, that was my complimentary sip of coffee to you. Um, so, oh, before we go any further, it is also um, an infantry brother that I have, uh, Norberto Carasquillo, it's his birthday too. Uh, happy birthday to you, brother. Love you, love you, love you. Um, we're infantry, infantry uh, battle buddies and brothers. And it is as you can see from the the top shelf up there. I have I have my two bump helmets, the little army safety helmets. So um, that's representing my time in the Army and in the Navy. I was in the Navy for six years and the Army for four. Um, but the reason uh, why we are sitting down to talk today on my birthday actually has a little bit to do with that. Um, one of the concepts I want to talk about is, I, I call it EA, um, emotional awareness. So Emotional awareness is is exactly what it implies. It's exactly uh, what what the name says. It's being aware of your emotions in the moment. So the New York Yankees could use this advice. So I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to you. This this falls. I'm gonna talk to you about this concept of emotional awareness. And this has been an ongoing, fluid conversation that's going to come up in my upcoming book the working title for the upcoming book is uh, simple sports psychology and that's where we take big sports psychology academic ideas and we boil them down to their basic parts in very plain language so that everyone can uh, can understand them and benefit from the information that we're giving so emotional awareness is simply being aware of your emotions all the time. Now, for some people that can be a little bit scary. Imagine that. Imagine you're in a moment where you're scared. Do you want to be aware that you're scared? Probably not. But there's usually no way of getting away from that Uh that fear as it, as it, uh, as it is face to face with you. But the goal of this directional motivation theory that I've spoken about before my big, um, motivational theory in sports psychology is the goal of it is to have a state of constant emotional awareness why do we want to have a constant state of emotional awareness for a very simple reason? Desensitization. So desensitization is when you no longer feel the size of the impact of something. So, a uh, uh, I'm going to use a physiological principle. Hold on. I'm going to take another sip of coffee real quick. So as far as desensitization goes, I actually taught my son desensitization at a very young age. This is going to sound like, oh, my God, this guy's totally unethical. No, it was not unethical. It was scary for my son and a little scary for me. I was aware of it. Uh, (laughs) but so when you stub your toe, I'll just tell you the story. So my son smashed his toe into a toy or a piece of furniture or something. And we were in the living room. I was, uh, I was a stay at home dad when I got out of the army, um, for about 10 years and he smashed his toe and he was crying, 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 losing his mind. So I had him sit on the couch. I said, hop up on the couch. Come on, come on, come on, come on. And I said, I'm going to do something. This is going to hurt a lot in the beginning, but it's going to not hurt after. And he goes, no, no, no. And I was like, trust me, trust me, trust me. It's going to be okay. So I took the toe that he had smashed and I grabbed it and I squeezed it and he yelped and then something amazing happened he went wow the pain went away i said yes that's the trick it's the hardest trick to teach someone because you can only do it when they get hurt but applying pressure uh causes i'm I'm gonna just simplify this one it causes a neurological reaction reaction in the in the the pain receptors um, and they get a little bit overloaded and they desensitize and they don't shut down they just stop ignoring this they start ignoring the signal so to speak so the same thing happens emotionally over time it happens on a thing that I call the experience continuum so when you start, you have low emotional experience, so something happens that's scary and it's traumatic. Over time, your experience with this same uh, stimulus, this same experience becomes, your emotional awareness of it becomes higher but your ability to overcome it becomes lower. It's almost like you expect this, this fear to come up. And since you know it, since what are they what Fear is your friend, um, pain is your friend, it's all the same concept, desensitization. Basically what we're doing is we're becoming more aware of the thing that affects us, negatively. Um, and what we do is as we become more aware of it, we become more able to develop psychological tools to combat it. We become more able to turn around and say, Ooh, you know, that's actually not as scary as I thought it was. Uh, another sip of coffee. Sorry. I'm in the mood for coffee today. Um, (laughs) But so this concept is this concept is used in behavioral therapy. It's been used for years where people who have phobias. So individuals have phobias against spiders, heights, um, snakes, all of that stuff. They can overcome these fears by having a high emotional awareness of the fears that they're going to experience during the situation. So how do we do this? In behavioral psych, uh, psychological, in behavioral therapy, what they would do is they would take someone up into a skyscraper. Now, the first time is going to be horrendous. It's going to be the worst experience getting them in the elevator the second time is probably going to be a trial of hercules but eventually if the person commits to the program they become desensitized to the uh they become desensitized to the event they become desensitized to the emotion the emotion's still there it's really important to understand the emotion is still there. The fear is still there. And fear, we have to understand fear is something that is required. It doesn't just exist because it, 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 it's not a defect of the human condition. Fear is something that's inherently important. It keeps us alive, it keeps us going it lets us know that there's something out there that can kill us it developed it developed over thousands millions of years it's not just something that that exists inside us as humans and this is actually where i kind of got got to the root of it and a lot of the early researchers found out um this stimulus this fear stimulus this fear drive that we have. This doesn't just exist in the, uh, sorry, Noam Chomsky. Uh, that was a a jabbed reference to a guy who doesn't believe in behavior at all. Um, fear exists in the basest of creatures. Okay. It exists in your house pets, your cats, your dogs. It exists in the wild and it exists for a reason. It exists to keep life going. It it, it, it it probably is the number one thing that keeps life going on this planet. Um, animal life, at the very least. Uh, tree. I'm not saying trees have fear, so calm down. I'm not going off the rails. I am wearing a Yankees hat, but I'm not going off the rails. Um, I say that because we are in a losing slump, but... The past three games we won, so keep hope alive. (sighs) Another sip of coffee. Hold on. So desensitization, arresting the fear response, not arresting the fear. I'm not saying get rid of the fear because honestly, I don't know that you can. That's an interesting research question. Can fear be removed? Um, I'm going to tell you though, I'm going to give you a really great example of the experience continuum and low emotional awareness versus high emotional awareness and how experience affects that and will affect your reaction to fear. So I'm going to go back to the military. So you have individuals, let's take a, uh, 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 any war any any war any combat experience and you got blackhawk down's a perfect expe- example so in blackhawk down you got new rangers who come and they're afraid they're terrified um, there's bullets going on you know going by their heads explosions everywhere smoke horrible sights horrible sounds and They don't have the experience to adjust to these traumas. They haven't had the training yet that will desensitize them to all of these external experiences. Now you take the Special Forces guys, the Delta Force guys. These guys have been through rigorous training real world exercises where they've experienced some of this stuff maybe even before they got to special forces these special forces guys these individuals that you know when you're in the infantry and you're a new guy you look at these guys like gods up on a mountain but they're not they just have a higher emotional awareness they are farther along on the experience continuum and have developed mental health skills, psychological skills to be able to deal with this regularly. Does that mean that they aren't affected by their fears? Interestingly, no. So I had a really great friend, a paratrooper with the 82nd Airborne, and He was telling us about how they would have guys, they had to do a a couple of jumps a year in order to qualify so they could keep their um, parachutist badge, their uh, jump wings. And every once in a while, they would get a guy who would freeze. He would get to the door. This guy had made jump after jump after jump, and he would freeze. And he wouldn't jump. And he would be pulled out of the uh, out of the paratroopers, out of the 82nd. And I found it really interesting because these p- individuals have been along the experience continuum and ha- have a high emotional awareness. Now, I actually question whether or not they do have a high emotional awareness, or if they do something else, which is compartmentalize their fear I don't know I don't know but whether or not they compartmentalize their fear and put it into a space where they technically emotionally black out for the the length of the of the jump and only I I, and they're able to recall it But they're not able to use effective psychological skills to overcome the fear they just do the 1950s man you know just just ignore your fear and 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 push through it and it's those who are emotionally aware i don't think they ignore their fear they accept their fear But they're going to do it regardless. I could be wrong. I could be totally off base on this. But that's just my thought. Now, how does this apply to sport? Huh. So I watched a really great video. Hold on. I'm going to have another sip. Tell me. I've I've been telling you guys that I'm taking a sip because I think it's polite. But I don't know. It could be rude. I should just pause and take a sip and then let me know. Um, so how does it relate to sport? So I just watched a video from this really great channel called, called baseball doesn't exist. And I'll put the link to that video, um, in the description below, if you're watching this on YouTube, um, and it's called the yips. So the yips are this, predicament, ailment, psychological stump that some baseball athletes experience. And it is an inability to do what you could do prior, an inability to do something that you could effectively and maybe even excelled at prior. And the example they gave was this pitcher who could pitch amazingly, but he could not throw to any of the bases on the infield so it, there's even a couple of examples where he would put the ball in the glove and toss the glove to first base now yips originally came from golf i think he said it, it it was a golfing ailment and it was for golfers who could no longer putt or could no longer drive and it has been applied to baseball because there have been experiences of it they don't know what causes it and sometimes it just goes away but they think that it deals with anxiety and anxiety of course deals with fear and unrecognized fear a lack of emotional awareness of that fear and an inability to address that fear are something that i think caused the yips and being able to overcome that fear is what resolves the yips Sometimes they go away and then they'll come back. That He talks about that too, but I think it's really fascinating. And emotional awareness is the number one thing that you can have. Like I'm getting ready to, uh, Um, I love baseball. I don't think I've ever really covered that. And I should do an episode on how much I love baseball and what happened for me to come back to baseball after almost – 30 years, maybe. So, Little League, you know, um, probably longer than that. So, um, I dealt with failing eyesight. So, I had, uh, what did I have? Cataract. I had really bad cataract. A thing called uh, infantile cataracts. So my cataract has been around for ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And my eyesight was never good, but I was always able to outsmart my, my poor eyesight by trying to, you know, uh, MacGyver or figure out what, how to compensate for it. Um, and come somewhere near close, but I could never do a bunch of sport things because I would never see anything until it was, like, right here or maybe an arm's length away. So I never got to do anything, and I had this tremendous fear of getting smashed in the face or smashing my car while I was driving or just just this, and it was a crippling fear that kept me off the highway, kept me from driving at night, kept me from doing all this. I was fully emotionally aware (laughs) that I was terrified to do these things but I would in some instances do them anyways which would lead to horrendous anxiety and then in other cases uh, just be smart enough to know that terrifies me I'm not freaking doing it suck it you know what I mean forget it that's not happening Um, and this (laughs) This would sometimes lead to, you know, big blowouts with my wife who for her, you know, on her behalf, she was tremendously understanding, but sometimes it was like, these are things you got to do, Michael. And that's what led me to get the, the eye surgery. And I got, um, cataract surgery on both my eyes. And honestly, I never saw the blue in this shirt or the orange in this shirt like I had ever seen it before. I saw new colors, an entire new, um, rainbow of colors that I had never seen before. Um, but now I'm actively engaged in sport, in activities more than I I used to just work out and not do anything other than just work out. I wasn't working out towards anything. Um, and now that I'm, I'm, I'm in the backyard hitting a baseball off a tee, uh, throwing the ball, against the barn to uh, to catch fly balls. I'm, I'm just having a blast playing, you know, throwing a football with my son in the backyard. I can actually see this stuff. And what's funny is the old fears are still there, but I'm desensitizing to them. Um, that's just one example. I hope uh, this all made sense. <laughs> and I hope it helps someone out there who's dealing with some stuff related to fear, either in sport or in their daily lives, and to understand that being aware of that fear consistently, keeping it maybe not so much in the back of your mind, but a little bit in the forefront of your mind would be helpful. And address the fear as you would address a bully and just stand up to it. Um, that's. It's not always easy. I totally know it. I trust me i a hundred percent know it but um it's something that can be done and if you actually uh need help with that um that is something that i can help you with uh through sea and land fitness i'm not wearing the sea and land fitness hat today but you can see all the honey badgers on the wall behind me um I am wrapping up the episode. Can you tell <laughs> But yeah, head on over to Sea and Land Fitness, reach out to me and I can uh, I can work with you. Um also, if you want to head out on over to Sea and Land Fitness, um you can pick up hats. Hold on, I got You can pick up oh. You can pick up beanies you can pick up baseball caps it's getting ready to get a little bit colder we've got shirts um we have got our want and fear uh emotional trigger so that you can understand the emotions that you're feeling uh in the moment so head on over there check that stuff out um and yeah that's pretty much it. That's all I got for you this week. And happy birthday to me. And thank you, Stephanie, my wife, Robert, my son, mom and dad, Danny, my brother, Alice and my sister, Tori, my sister, all of you guys, thank you for a wonderful birthday and all my friends. Uh, we'll see you guys soon. Go Honey Badgers. Go Gators!